December 16th, 2011, and this is Think Relevance, the podcast. Today I'm talking with David Liebke. Did I say your name right? Yep. Cool. How are you today, David? How are you doing? I'm doing good. How good. about you? Doing all right. I'm having a good time. Um, okay, so when I do the editing on this podcast, I'm going to start with a song. In fact, it's playing for our listeners right now, um, and you get to pick it. What uh, song do you choose? Uh, I, I think I sent you that list, and I have actually not gone back and selected one of the list. Okay. Well, we'll pick something off that. And it's uh, this is this is interesting. I, I know you um, you sent me that list a little earlier, and the songs are all from the Anathem soundtrack. It, yeah, there. It's sort of it's an Anathem inspired uh, set of chants, um, mm. some of which are actually solving kind of mathematical problems. Cool. We'll put a we'll put a link to the songs and the everything in the show notes, and we'll come back to Anathem in a minute. Um, just by way of introduction, though, uh, since this is the uh, the relevance podcast, I suppose I should start by asking you what your job is. Uh, programmer. Yeah, developer, right? Just like me. Um, yeah. In fact, we've had a chance to work together on uh, on a project or two, which is cool. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but um, the the thing I think. Uh, that we, I'm hoping that we can spend at least part of our time on today is uh, is sort of related to Anathem in a way, um, like most of the things you work on, um, which is uh, Avout, which I think right. people may have heard of. Um, so I'm just going to ask you to kind of jump in and and talk a little about what about what Avout is, and then we'll dig down. Okay, uh, Avout is sort of an attempt to take Closure's model of state and make it distributed. And of course, that leads to a whole other long discussion of what you know what is closure's model of state. Mm -hmm. But that's in summary, that's what it is. Yeah, that's and that's um, that's a that's a short summary of something that uh, I think people are pretty excited about. I mean, this is this is sort of a different thing. I mean, maybe you can um, give us some sense of why that is a cool thing. Well. I mean, uh, uh, closure is model of state or or, or about I about guess. particularly. I mean, we're gonna gonna that, like you say, it's a big topic to dig into. Let's 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 stick to the about stuff. Right. I guess it's it's just it's an abstraction over. Well, it. it <laughs> I, w I wish it were simpler. I I mean, the, I guess the thing to talk about is you know what would you use this for? Mm, what, yeah. What's the point? Um. And and it's it's actually the, the current version of Avout is built on Zookeeper, which is another one of those libraries that that is important. It sits at the bottom of a lot of big projects, including Hadoop. But a lot of other people are like, well, I don't understand exactly what it is. It, it you know what is this? And it's a, it's providing coordination services. So 
just like, well, let me just briefly give my normal spiel about cl- mm-hmm. closure state, which isn't really describing it as much as when you write programs in closure, you, you really want to be focusing on, on pure functions and values. You, you don't want mutable state. This is, this is something that's sort of anathema to, to uh, functional programmers, including closure programmers. But, but reality is such that you, you often need state and you need to be able to mutate it. And, and so you, you want to limit it, but closure gives you really clear semantics as far as doing that. These ideas of refs and atoms so that you can change things in a really disciplined, clean way that's safe for concurrency, uh, you know, so you can create, you know, multi-core applications. This is, that's what kind of closures state model provides. Um, when you build distributed applications, you, you likewise, you don't want to have a lot of mutable state, you know, and coordination. You don't want to have to have coordination between your systems. You really want loosely coupled systems that communicate primarily asynchronously. That's, that's really, that's the way to do it. But there's always these bits and pieces that kind of require coordination mm-hmm. across these servers. And, and so again, you do want to limit it, but there's configuration information is a really good example that if you have a system that's distributed and, and most of the players are peers, usually someone's going to have to become leader. You have to have some kind of a leader election typically. So that requires some coordination. There's other bits of, co- of, uh, of kind of state that needs to be coordinated across the different systems. And that's kind of where Avout is coming in. It's, you, you know, you can use Zookeeper raw to do those kinds of things, but Avout adds that extra level of semantics that Clojure does to make it a little bit more disciplined. You can have atomic change so that you can basically in Clojure state model, when you do change the state of an identity is the mm-hmm. term, um, usually, well, often, you want the new value to be a function of the old value. It's mm-hmm. not always the case, but that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to have a, an atomic transaction. You have to be able to get the value of that, that atom and then apply the function and then set the, new, set the value of that function without anyone else jumping in the middle and, and changing the value on right, it. So right. it has to be atomic. Mm-hmm. So a, a Zookeeper has a support for that using kind of version numbers. It's actually kind of a compare and swap mechanism, which is what... Um, I, I can I, I'm not actually using it in the current version of that. I'm using using that concept in the second version of it that I'm working on now. And and then there's refs and refs are essentially identities that can be changed in a coordinated fashion with other identities. So that if you have you know it's a transaction. So if you want to have a bunch of values that change, but they have to change together, they have to have a consistent snapshot of all the values before the changes occurs that's kind of what refs are doing. And so that's what Avout is providing that kind of semantics on top of on top of a distributed data store. Now, the default is using Zookeeper for both coordination and for kind of containing the state that you're you're managing. Um, but you can plug you can create plugins for different state backends. And so I've got a Mongo version. I have an Amazon SimpleDB version of that out there too. So, so let me see. Let me see if I understand this, because I am a complete avowed like idiot. I haven't I haven't done anything with it. I, I just barely glanced at the website. Um, so, so I could take I could use this for example to write a system where I've got, um, and I'll just keep it simple: two Mongo databases, and without using like a, um, uh, you know, something like in the in the Microsoft world where I come from, you'd use something like uh, the DTC, the Distributed Transaction Coordinator, to do a two phase, a two phase transaction across databases. I could make changes 
and I could be sure that they would show up in both databases or in neither database. Is that the, the basic idea, or am I missing yeah, something? That, yeah, and that, and that kind of, you can do it across two Mongo databases, you can do it across a Mongo database and a simple DB database, you, and, but that is, in some ways, is a side effect of what I was doing. That was the fact that you can have it act as sort of a distributed transaction service, a, a generic one, is is a side effect and and there's some caveats there. One is that the data model, especially for refs, is you can't have an arbitrary data model there. I mean, well, let, let me take that back a little bit. You need to be able to support, there's two protocols you have to support. One is sort of the state container protocol for atoms, which and is very... You're talking about closure protocols and yeah, there's sorry, a bunch yes. of functions. These, these are write, closure, yeah. yeah, closure protocols, which are equivalent to Java interfaces. Okay, yep. And so there's this state container protocol or, or interface for atoms, which is very simple. It basically, it's, you know, here's a value, give me the new value. And mm -hmm. there's some initializers and destructors and stuff. This, the reference protocol, which is called version state container, what, what you're, when you create a plugin, whether it's talking to a Mongo database or whatever, if you want to have it act as a, a state container for a ref, it has to be able to, to take a, a value, you know, a name, a, an identifier for a ref, a value, and a version number mm -hmm. or a point in time. And this is coming back to the closure model that's, you know, you, you, you don't really change the value. You just, you, time progresses and you have a new value at a new point in time. So you have to take those three things. And when, you, and when you're going to receive requests, you know, give me this value at this point in time. And the back end doesn't have to be intelligent, doesn't have to know anything about, you know, which point in time has been committed because you're going to receive values and some of those won't be committed. You'd have to go back to the STM to find out if they're committed. So it's as long as your protocol supports that, I guess you can have your back end look however you want, but it but it needs to support those methods in particular. So you could use it. You can absolutely use it to, to kind of have a transaction span, you know, multiple databases and even multiple types of databases, but it's not an arbitrary uh, it's not going to work with arbitrary schemas. It's meant for, it's really meant for using those backend stores, and they don't even have to be persistent stores or durable stores. Mm. They just, they need to be able to support that protocol. Okay, so you you okay? So I, I kind of understand that. We may have to come back and drill down a little, little bit more. It sounds like a, it sounds like one of those things that has sort of a, uh, you know, kind of there's maybe an aha moment associated with 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 understanding this stuff, and I, I don't feel like I've quite reached there. But I but I do want to go back to something you said, which is, um, and I want to ask you the question. So what what are the problems I can solve with this? Like if I'm if I'm I've got a problem in front of me, and I'm like maybe I should use about for this. What are the qualities of that? Like or maybe even specific stuff. Like what's what sort of things can I do with this that I couldn't do otherwise? It's that I mean in in some ways in in. And I can, we can come back to some examples, but in some ways that's, it's sort of like asking, you know, about atoms and refs in closure, you know, well, I, I don't understand what, what can I do with an atom ref? What kind of problems am I solving there? And it, and it, it's, it's a problems, the problems are around concurrency and, and managing state where you have multiple, in, in the case of closures in model memory, multiple threads trying to, to change something, some, you know, at one point. I got the phone ringing. Don't on. worry about it. <laughs> we're uh, we're a low budget podcast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and with, so with about, it's it's really I guess the the things that it's providing 
is it's providing kind of the, the closure syntax for doing atomic change to to a value that needs to be shared across multiple systems. So again, if you have configuration information, you have a distributed system that has multiple multiple um, processes running mm -hmm. across it, and there's some piece of data that they all need access to, but depending on who the leader is of that group or, or anything else, multiple players could possibly go in there and change it. You, you kind of want those and, and, and here's, you know, the, and is, you know, and where it really gets you values. If, if the changes of that state are going to be functions of the previous value of that mm -hmm. state in all those, you know, in, in the cases where all those things are true, then this would provide value in the case of refs, it provides a distributed transaction. So if you have multiple values, um, and it could be something as simple as, you know, group membership. I mean, Zookeeper absolutely provides, I mean, that's one of its core functions is to provide uh, group membership fun functionality. And, and can you, you, sorry, can you define that for me when you say, yeah, group so or, I mean, yeah. just, I, you know, if you, again, with a distributed system in the configuration example, you might have a, 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 group, a bunch of systems that have one kind of function, um, whether they're, you know, processing some type of data and another set of systems that are, have a different function. And, and that function is determined when they come up at runtime. It's, you know, it's something that could be elastic where you add new systems and, and someone somewhere has to say, this system is going to be belong to this group and have this functionality. Mm -hmm. So Zookeeper lets you have that kind of configuration information where you, you know, this system is, and, and they refer to them as nodes, is belongs to this group. So, I mean, an, an example of something where you might want it to be atomic or, you know, uh, or even transactional is you want to have, you want to pull a system out of one group and put it into another, but you want that to be atomic. You don't want there ever to be a point where that system is in either group or in both groups. And you, you know, and you might, and if the groups are defined by two different, you know, mm. distributed refs, having that atomic transaction, just like any time you would need a transaction, is that would be an example of what you would need that for. Okay, I, I see. All right, well, that that makes sense. I, I do understand that. Um, cool. That's 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 interesting, and I can see where that would be kind of difficult to roll your own, much in the same way that when you're working with closure, you know, you just you just use atoms because or refs because who would want to build that in every application? That's right. Um, so I, I, I'm curious, uh, one of the things when I looked at the website is uh, you sort of said this came out of a conversation with Rich, like you were sitting around in a closure core meeting one day and you said, oh, I was thinking about doing this thing. And he said, you know, what you really ought to do is, and then that turned into a vout. I wonder if you could talk about kind of how, how that evolution came about for you. Right. So it started looking at tools that we've sort of used in the past, Zookeeper was an example of something when we've built distributed applications in Clojure, we've either used Zookeeper or we've used a lightweight our homebrew implementations of that same sort of functionality. So I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's build a DSL. I mean, it's something that a lot of library, a lot of projects use out there, including Clojure projects, but there's no real solid DSL. Most people just kind of roll their own. So I started with, I'm just going to create a simple DSL for Zookeeper, which is a relatively simple API. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what Zookeeper CLJ is. Then from there, it's like, well, now let's, let's kind of, you know, the Zookeeper site's got a nice set of recipes for distributed locks, for leader election, for a bunch of different things. And so I'm like, let's just implement some of those. And wrap, wrapping those up, I'm like, well, this can make a nice standalone library of kind of distributed concurrency functions using Zookeeper as a back end. And 
which led me into developing you know a, a pretty decent set of distributed locks uh, based on the Zookeeper recipes and uh, also modeled on there's a uh, a Java library called Menagerie which is built on Zookeeper and, and provides distributed locks and other things. So the locks were built on you know Java util concurrent interfaces. They look like Java locks except they're distributed. And so this is what I was presenting to. Uh, during the closure core meeting, and and Rich really said, you know, don't stop there because locks locks are complicated, and distributed locks are more complicated. Go further, you know, implement implement atoms and refs. Mm. And he also said pods, which I have not gotten to. Um, <laughs> neither is he <laughs> in terms of closure. <laughs> well, there's that. And um, so that was that was kind of the. You know, that was like a, a aha moment because this is something a year earlier a year earlier. I'd had this discussion with Stuart Sierra that we were building a system that really, it would have really benefited from having a, a concept of a distributed atom mm -hmm. or even distributed refs. But, you know, when we went down the list, what, what would we have to have? Well, we need to have a distributed lock to do these certain parts and some other things. It was just like, ah, never mind. Mm -hmm. At this point, I had the distributed lock. So it seemed like this is it. This is, this is, that's it. This is what I had wanted before. I have the piece that I was missing before let's go forward and let's implement this. And that meant digging into, you know, really digging into Clojure's STM, which is the first time I had done that and consulting with Rich several times, mm -hmm. um, which was very useful. It was, it was great. So that's, that's really how this evolved. So I know that when you, I mean, having had the opportunity to work with you and, and watch you work on various other things, not to, not least in Cantor, I know you have a tendency to, um, to dive pretty hard into the things you're working on. And I think that's been true for Avout. Have you been, have you been jamming away pretty hard on a vout? Are you are you still doing so? Or I yes, I do tend to do that, <laughs> and uh, and I have absolutely been doing that. And 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 actually, so the the next the next step in a vout, um, and right now it's a parallel step more so than a, a sequential step. Here was another another suggestion from Rich. I mean, he is kind of interested in in a vout minus zookeeper. For his own reasons, you know, he just doesn't want to, you know, have the zookeeper defense in there. He's like, can you abstract out that? And I'm like, oh, let me let me look at that because zookeeper provides a lot of extremely nice functionality, mm -hmm. um, a lot of failure, uh, error handling. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it tells you when a node disappears, it kind of notifies you, and it has this concept of notification. So, mm -hmm. I'm absolutely leveraging that in, in every part of uh, about, but. You know, after some discussions with him and saying, well, the alternative, you know, well, for instance, locks. My locks are completely built on Zookeeper, and they and they require a lot of its mechanisms in order to work the way they do. And the discussion was around, well, if you had compare and swap semantics or CAS, which is simply that idea that you know, if your backend store, the you know, the state containers that you know, the different things that have to be implemented as protocols, if if the state container had a, a, another method called compare and swap where you know change this value to this new value but only if the current value is this the value you know the value i'm giving here here the value that i think is the old value right right nobody else has come along in the meantime no one and yeah that's it that no one else has come along and changed it or if they did they changed it back to what it was you know before it's just that in that case then make this change this is this is a kind of a requirement if you want to you know be able to apply a function to a value and 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 make sure there's no race condition where someone else has made the change. But so if you have that, you can implement locks. I mean, that's how mm. you know spin locks are implemented in, right. you know, in memory. And and I had actually done my original version with Zookeeper used that kind of functionality in Zookeeper to 
build uh, atoms, but there was a there was a latency and a lot of thrashing. It, it didn't work well, and and instead of pursuing that and fixing it and figuring out you know how I could fix that, I just said, well, look, I have a lock. Let me just let me just lock this thing, you know, for writes, not for reads, mm -hmm. which is what, what kind of the core of closure state. So I'm like, all right, I've tried that before. I knew there were some issues when you're talking over a network and everything else, but let, let me let me see what I can do. And and it it, it works. It's it, it gives you basically with with that one additional method in your in your uh, state container protocol, you can implement an atom, and it's it's twice as slow as the zookeeper based one. Okay. Um, but that's almost acceptable under a lot right. of. No, I was going to say that me, doesn't sound necessarily bad to me. No, and and actually that's twice as slow under a lot of write contention, and that's mm. the other thing is you know circumstances where you have a lot of write contention. I'm not sure that you want to be. You got to rearchitect your system. I mean, it's yeah. that 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 is that's that's a smell. Something is wrong there. I mean, it's you, you want you want a system that's protected in case that occurs. You want it to be have the correct behavior, but at the same time, if you have that, then you might need to think about a way to re to rebuild the system. Sure. Um, but I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. And so with that, with an atom based on this idea of CAS, I could build a lock. Now the other thing Zookeeper provides is this function. You know, this great failure. Uh, handling where if the holder of a lock disappears because it's a network for whatever reason they're not there anymore, mm. Zookeeper will let everyone else know that and you can you know have that lock released and someone else next person will grab it. I see. So I needed a way to do that without this no notification mechanism, and that led to creating uh, a, a basic lock which will fail catastrophically in those circumstances, and then a least lock where when you when you request to lock the lock, mm -hmm. uh, you give it a timeout and, and, you know, that's you know, a special case, but with when really, I just needed the lock in order to build the STM and the STM is very careful about how it uses locks and it uses only for a part of the system that doesn't, doesn't vary in time a huge amount. It's not like the part, you know, it's not, there's a part of this, you know, one of the things the, the STM does is it, 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 I guess the one problem where a lock would occur is if you lock a bunch of resources and then you run some arbitrarily long user code in that transaction, you can you'll have a lot of potential problems. And the STM avoids that by not not locking things while the user's running their their code. It so, kind of just go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I just want to ask a, another stupid question, which is so when you say STM, uh, are you referring to the closure STM, the one that's in closure, or you're talking about something else? No, I'm talking. I'm talking about the closure STM. Yeah, okay, exactly. Because because yeah, I know that you did you did a version of some things that are in closure that work with avout, right? Right. So the avout refs are actually built on on what is called the closure STM. The closure STM is actually a thing called the locking transaction. Um, the concept is software transactional memory. The implementation is a is this object called locking transaction, and about has a distributed version of that locking transaction. Okay. Yeah. So I just basically I created a least lock so that it would have some sort of you know recovery in case a lock holder disappears, and now I'm building on top of that uh, the STM or the uh, the refs. So in, in some ways, this is sort of like about in about that in, instead of having a Zookeeper be responsible for a lot of parts, everything is really going to be built on atoms including a lock and then the STM. And so it's all just kind of stacked on top of each other. Mm, okay. And this, this will just give a, I mean, there's a couple of advantages to this. One is in, in case there was an environment where Zookeeper wasn't uh, ideal that that would, this could be used. And the other is 
this really opens it up to being available in closure script mm. um which is kind of interesting. I mean, that was one thing early on. Well, can we use this in ClojureScript? Well, not with the Zookeeper dependency. Mm-hmm. But this this could. Um, wow. I don't know if it's a good idea or, or if we'll pursue it, but it but it certainly opens it up to that. Well, we're definitely going to be talking about ClojureScript here on the podcast because there's just a lot of interesting stuff going on there, um, including some stuff that I've been working on with Brenton that we're not quite ready to announce yet, but we'll have him on soon. And um, But I think it's, you know, without going into any of that, uh, the idea that uh, you know a bunch of JavaScript running in a possibly running in a browser somewhere can start to have the sorts of capabilities that are generally reserved for uh, server side stuff. You know things like distributed locks. Uh, it, it it makes for a very interesting world. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, like you say, it would kind of remains to be seen whether that'll turn out to be a good idea or not. But at least we can run the experiment, and if it turns out to be a good idea, then it could be pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. that's really interesting. Well, I can't let you off the hook about the names, right? About, right. you know, we mentioned Anathem right at the top. Um, so I think uh, at least some people that listen, but not all, would know that Anathem's a book um, that you're a huge fan of. Um, and, <laughs> and I know every, I know I've had several long conversations, but maybe you could just give us just just the quick, the quick why Anathem is so cool and what it is, and, and that for anybody that hasn't read it. <laughs> um, so Anathem, it's. The story takes place in an alternative version of our world um, th- where the history kind of took a couple different zigs and zags from what we have. You ended up developing kind of a, a, a monastic order, but it was a secular intellectual monastic order. Um, essentially, you know, scientists, you know, living mon- monastic lifestyles, which is just extremely appealing to me. Mm. Um that's, I mean, that's the basic premise. And then, uh, uh, you know, world events occur that are, you know, big and shocking and everything else. Right, yeah. No, I, and I know you're huge fans of the book. So is Stu Holloway, of course. Um, and I read it, I enjoyed it myself. I recommend it to people. Um, but you, you've taken all sorts of names from there. I mean, the one that jumps yeah. immediately to mind is Encanter. That's right. a, I don't, I don't, you remember, what's an Encanter? Tell me again. An Encanter is uh, essentially what was thought to be a mythical class of, of out. Uh, which are these, you know, secular monks mm-hmm. um, that sort of have uh, abilities to manipulate what they call the narrative or or the 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 storyline, uh, qu- sort of quantum manipulation of mm. the world as we right. know it. <laughs> so magicians under any other under yeah, other magicians fantasy, under yeah. that's right, that's right. Okay, so then an avowed is sort of like you said those those uh, those um, intellectual monks, uh, right? So so. Um, so I, 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 I was looking at the website, and something that struck me about um, about was it has appears to have this icon, this sort yes. of sort of clock-looking symbol. Did you yes. did you come up with that, or where did that come from? Yeah, I that that's just my yeah, that's one of my logos. That's I create projects just so that I can create logos and t-shirts. <laughs> and, oh, cool! Uh, so we can buy about t-shirts. No, but my Not my yet. wife okay. actually made me one, which is is great. So I have an about t-shirt. You have the one. All right. Um. Yeah, the clock symbol. So that that comes back to a couple things. One is the about the, most of the, the the monasteries they live in are a clock is the central a central mm. part of it and it's a, it's the center of their monasteries and it, that logo also sort of evokes a lock if you if you look at it, it looks like if you had a key and you turned the key in a lock it would give you that that symbol mm-hmm. would also reflect that and so clocks and locks i mm. mean those in, in the in the world of uh, anathem that's that's the devout's life is ruled by a clock and locks they're right. locked behind walls i mean for you know between one to a thousand years at a time and and the about the project 
the STM is all about a clock and, mm -hmm. and there's a lock, you know, I mean, it's so the, the, there's a little, there's a few parallels there, but that's, that's cool. Kind of, I like that. I had, I did, hadn't thought about that, but that, yeah, clocks and locks, it makes perfect sense. Um, that's great. So, um, so we're, I just want to wrap it up pretty soon, but, um, uh, you know, we've spent some time talking, uh, bouncing back a little bit back and forth between the work that you've already done and the work that you're going to do. I wonder if you could talk for a few minutes about kind of from this point forward, like what can we expect to see or what are you, that you can talk about? What are you working on? Where is Avout headed from here? It's, it, Avout is really meant to be very simple. I mean, it, it's really, when, when you look at what atoms and refs, the functions they take, they're, they're very few. There's, you know, ref set and swap and, and, um, reset. And there's just, there's not that many things. That's and so I, I, this is meant to be simple. I mean, I can imagine doing the other plugins for different backend data stores as, as needs require. And there's this idea of building the, the zookeeper free version of it. I, what I have to figure out is whether that ends up superseding because it does lose functionality. It loses a few different pieces of functionality mm -hmm. that Zookeeper provides um, or kind of runs in parallel. I, I don't know. I, I actually refer to that as the Oralo version, which is a, an, an, an example of an about in the book. <laughs> right. Another, um, another yeah, reference there. Another reference. Yeah. Basically, if you're going to use this, this, uh, this library, you, you have to write the book, right? That, that, that's right. It, yeah. it's, that, essentially, the book is the documentation. There you go. <laughs> cool. Um, awesome. Well, that's, I, I have to say this, uh, this helped me understand this. Um, so uh, we'll put links to the show notes to the, to the website. Um, uh, you know, obviously there's the GitHub repo. Um, is there, are there other resources for people that, that want to, like where do people go if they want to learn more or, or ask questions? Um, right now, the closure, the closure mailing list is okay. a place to ask questions. All right, great. Okay, cool. Um, well, we spent a lot of time on Avout, but uh, I wonder um, in a few minutes we have left, is there, is there anything else that you're, that you're working on or that you want people to know about or that you want to get out there or... No, I'm just uh, working on some cool stuff that I can't talk about yet. Um, yes. And having a blast. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I hate to tantalize people, but I know happen to know what you're working on, and it is super cool. And uh, I'm I'm really hopeful that we'll be able to talk about on the, that on the podcast when that's when that's ready to be talked about. So yeah, that would be that would be nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, great. I appreciate it. And uh, so obviously we're, we've got some outro music. It's probably kicking in right about now. Um, that also is from that uh, Anathem collection that you have. We'll put we'll put links in the show notes to to what that is. Maybe I'll get you to kick in and explain a little bit about more about that. Uh, but uh, I do appreciate you uh, spending the time to talk to us and, and explaining about about and sharing this extremely cool technology with us. Um, maybe we can uh, have you back sometime and you can uh, share with us where it's gone or um, other cool things that you're working on. That'd be great. But you. Sure. Awesome. Alright, cool. Alright, thanks again, David, and uh, we'll see everybody later. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.